0: Um, we are finishing up our series, y'all. We've been doing this series called Throwback, and we've been talking about reopening ancient wells. Um, man, didn't Pastor Bridget do a fantastic job last week? It was so good. I love when she was talking about how, you know, whenever, like, there's not—the when the, the water's not flowing. If I hope I get this right, it's not flowing in your life. It's because the enemy has kicked her in your wells, right? We talked about going way back at the beginning in Genesis— that there were ancient wells that Abraham had dug, and then Isaac reopened the ancient wells that his father had dug because they had been filled up with dirt because the enemy had been kicking dirt in those wells and, and filling them back up because water was life. And so the enemy wanted to stop those wells up and, and stop the people from living and having freedom and being able to grow and flourish. And so Isaac reopened those wells, and we've been looking at Acts chapter 2, specifically verse 42. And talking about four wells that the early church had opened, and we want to reopen those. I feel like in our culture today, we need to get back to some basic things, right? That foundation that we were singing about in worship, I'll build my life on that foundation. We need to get back to some foundational truths. And so here's what we've we've talked about. Week one, uh, we just asked a very simple question. What are we devoted to, right? And... Again, I thought about this yesterday because, you know, I'm watching some football games, and football fans are crazy, right? Like, they, they do weird stuff like show parts of their body that should never be seen in public, right? And they're all painted with weird colors. They're devoted to their teams, right? And so the word devoted means to be earnest towards, to persevere, to be constantly diligent. So we asked the question in week one, what are we constantly diligent towards, Right? Because Acts chapter two verse forty-two says that the early church devoted themselves to, and then whatever comes after that too, are the four things we've been talking about. So one of the things that they were devoted to continually was God's word. You know, are we continually devoted to God's word? And we talked about koinonia. Remember that? That was that real weird word that we had, we said like a million times and never explained how to spell it. Yes. Um. But we, thank you for Google, which corrects us when we're wrong. Um, we talked about fellowship and that that fellowship was so much more than just coming together and having a meal or just coming together and having like a potluck dinner at church or going to the movies together. Koinonia is a shared life. It is like roots down deep in the soul of God, but also roots that are deep and entwined with other roots that are deep in the soul of God that we can't have fellowship just because we choose to get along with people. This is something that's a spiritual gift that's given to us by the father. So when you're in Christ, you are in Koinonia. That's what he's called us to. They were, com- they were devoted to fellowship. And last week, like I said, Pastor Bridget just killed it. She's talked about being continually devoted to the secret and corporate place of prayer. It was amazing um, just how God worked through that, that message. And I hope kind of sparked something in you, like, I need to get back to that, right? I need to get back to a place of prayer, being devoted to prayer. And so this morning, we're going to wrap up. The last one is they were devoted to the breaking of bread. I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and then we'll um, read a bunch of more verses, but I'll let you sit for those. So, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, we've been reading this every week, and here's what it says They devoted themselves, there's that word, they were continually giving themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the word and to fellowship, that's koinonia, to the breaking of bread, we'll talk about that today, and to prayer. And that's what they devoted themselves to, it's what they did, and everything we read after that is the result of it. Does that make sense? So verse 42 is what they did, and verse 43 through 47 is what happened because of what they did. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. I promise I won't preach this while you're standing, but just let me ask you this question. Have you ever been in a service where God was obviously moving for everybody but you? I mean, I have. I've led services (laughs) where everybody was being touched but me, right? I read this and go, everyone, don't miss that word. I'm not satisfied With some people being filled with awe. I want everyone. Tell the person next to you, that's probably about you. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So God, we just invite you in this time just to speak clearly, Lord, through me and through your word, because we want to be devoted to what we just read. And I, I so crave to see this happen in our day in our time in our city in our church in our families god i want to see people filled with all at what you're doing i want to see god generosity flow like we just read i want to see the church and the kingdom grow daily so god help us now as we devote ourselves to these things in jesus name amen amen all right you can be seated if you're a note taker, grab some a pen or get it, open up your notes app. We've been reading tons of scripture. Are y'all good with that? Um, got more today. So when when I was reading this in preparation for um, devoted to the breaking of bread, you know the first thing I thought of was I'm gonna let you answer this for me. The first thing I thought of was the word that starts with C and ends with communion. It's called right communion. Good job, y'all. Like the three of you that were like, what? i I thought so this will be an easy message we'll just talk about communion and we just took we just received communion right we do it on the first sunday of every month um there's no there's no bible verse that says you should do it the first sunday of every month it's just the rhythm that we have at the church and so it's like we'll just talk about communion it'll be easy we'll have already done it you know people are like i get it like the bread the juice but then i read That they were devoted to the breaking of bread and i started thinking god asked me this one simple question that just changed everything about this message and here's the question that went through my head in the early church because we read that they devoted themselves to the temple and to the homes yes did you remember that part so every day they were in the temple courts and they were in homes it's not either or it's both and i love when people are like i just can't do corporate worship i'll just do a house church okay you just got 50 percent right But it's both and, right? So when they gathered in homes every night around the table and they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, when the bread was broken, I had this thought, I wonder what they thought about when the bread got broken. I wonder how that changed the conversation. I wonder what things that they talked about whenever the bread, because, you know, we have small talk, you know, like, my sandals there's not the best sandals where do you buy your sandals i should go get some sandals from there right but like they were devoted to the breaking of bread and we know that that didn't just happen in a church service it happened in homes and so something about the breaking of the bread changed something it changed the conversation it had to so I I just got curious and I just started looking at all these passages in the scripture where there was breaking of bread where Jesus broke bread and I started thinking like that's probably what they talked about around the table like when when they would pick it up and break the bread somebody would go oh remember that time when and so we're going to look at some of those times we're going to start in John chapter 6. Um, we could read the whole chapter of John chapter 6, but I won't, I won't make you do that with me. You can read it on your own time. I'll just, I'm going to pick out a few spots that I want you to see. Jesus is feeding the 5,000. If you've um, been to Sunday school once, you've heard this story, right? Like the, the little boy who has some bread and some fish, and there's 5,000 men avail- that want to eat. That doesn't count the women and the children. So some estimate this crowd could have been 10 to 15 to even 20,000 people. This is a lot of people. Albemarle has 16,000 people in it. So this story, Jesus feeds Albemarle. You with me? And so we're going to pick it up in verse, verse 12 and 13. And here's what it says. This is after he had already broken the bread and handed it out to them. He said, when they had had all had enough to eat. Let that settle in for a second. When the city of Albemarle had had enough to eat from a few fish and a few loaves of bread. Not when they got a taste. When they had all had enough to eat. He said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. We've talked about this numerous times before. I won't get into it now. But gather the pieces that are left over. The word for left over is the word that means remnant. We're the gathering, y'all. We're, we're called to gather the remnant. And the remnant is made up of people who are leftovers. Who have been used up by people and left on the ground. And verse 13 says, So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten when I read that it's like I just said see when the breaking leads to multiplication if you're taking notes just write that word down breaking leads to multiplication I didn't bring it this morning because I didn't want to reuse the illustration but it's you're gonna be mad when I tell you what it was but we did this in the coffee shop years ago I love to take a five pound Hershey candy bar who loves chocolate yeah. And like hold it up and talk about how great this bar is and who would love to have this bar. And then like sometimes we go through life and, and life breaks us. And I just take that candy bar and just throw it on the ground and just. And all the chocolate lovers go. And then I pick up a broken piece and I'll just ask who who, want, who wants some chocolate? And all the chocolate lovers are like me, me, me. Right. And you just start throwing chocolate in the crowd. Because the way that we are multiplied is by being broken. If the bar stays one big five pound bar, I can make one person really happy and everyone else mad, right? But when it's broken, we can be multiplied. How do you think God gets his word to the world? He breaks us and sends us. Brokenness leads to multiplication. A little bit later um, in verse 23, John chapter 6, we'll pick it up in verse 23. He has sent his disciples on, right? All this, all that takes place in chapter 6 takes place after the bread was broken to feed the 5,000, the city of Albemarle. Verse 23 says, Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there because they'd gone on to the other side of the lake, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you that you were looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Breaking leads to multiplication, but breaking also leads to investigation. By the way, I got to tell you, every word's going to end with Asian. It's, it's not a gift. I think it might be a curse, but it just comes to me naturally. I, I don't, I'm not trying to impress you with my prowess of ending all words with Asian today, but they just started coming to me, and it was like, Wow! That there's another one, and there's another one, and there's I didn't even mention Acts chapter two, the verse that we read: breaking leads to participation, right? We're in this together. We're all in this together. That's all I know. So we'll stop there. Um, so talking about they they were devoted to the breaking of bread, right? Breaking involves participation they were devoted they were participating together at least to multiplication and here we see from the crowd it leads to investigation the crowd get this was looking for more now jesus is smart and so he says like you didn't come looking for me you're just looking for more bread but y'all i would like for culture to see something in me that makes them want to investigate Jesus. They might not even know they're investigating Jesus. They might just, I I know that when I was around that guy, like he prayed for me and something happened in my life. I'm going to bring a friend. We're going to find that guy and see if that'll happen again. That's what was happening here. The crowd's just looking for some more bread. It leads to investigation. And so here's the next verse, verse 27 through 33. Breaking is going to lead to clarification, another Asian word right? And this is what Jesus says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you for on him, God, the father has placed his seal of approval. So you can tell he's, he's saying like, that was one kind of bread, but you're, you really need another kind of bread. He's clarifying. And they said, then, then Lord, what must we do to do the works God requires. Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. These people were really hungry. Right? You see, and they keep going back to bread. I mean, give us, just give us some bread. What sign will it be? And please let it be warm bread with garlic butter. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they're investigating because they want more bread, and Jesus is clarifying. Breaking leads to clarification. Um, Have you noticed When you're broken, life, I know that doesn't make sense. Like, you can't put all the pieces together because you're broken. But have you ever noticed the clarity that comes in those seasons? I have. I mean, I can remember, like, are y'all okay if I say church people are weird? I mean, we all are. I am too, right? We, We squabble over. Squabble's a fun word. Squabble's a good word. We squabble over the weirdest things, don't we? Like carpet color. We just, did, we just did concrete, so y'all wouldn't have that opportunity, right? <laughs> Chair colors, music. We, 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 just, we find the weirdest things to get opinions about and drive our stake in the ground. <clears throat> I, I've noticed in my life, when we've gone through breaking times, how all of that suddenly doesn't make any sense. It's like, y'all, that's not even important. The breaking leads to clarification. Oh, I was settling for that but the bread I really need is this bread that came down from heaven, right? Do, do you see what I'm saying? Some of you have, I sense some hesitation. Oh, now my heart is experiencing palpitation. Somebody please stop. <laughs> okay. Okay. Like, we'll, we'll just kill you. It doesn't end with Asian, but it'll end this. Um, okay, let's keep going. So, he, at least a clarification. John chapter 6, verse 35. Um, we're going to keep reading, but verse 35 is the verse I want you to see. So, when they said, he said, look, you don't need the bread that came from Moses. You need the bread that came from, comes from heaven. And so, they said, sir, always give us this bread. That's good. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. The breaking leads to identification. And I can only speak from my personal experience. When I'm broken and I'm looking for answers, it always drives me to Jesus because He is the bread of life. He is who nourishes. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So I'm loving that, right? And then I get down to verse 41. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Listen, if you want to drive hungry people away from Jesus, just remind hungry people that Jesus has to be Lord. There's something about the lordship of Jesus. There's something about him saying, hold up. I am the bread of life. I am the only one who can satisfy. I have been sent from heaven because I am who you need. That causes people to grumble and go, oh, how can he say I'm the bread of heaven? Don't, doesn't he know that we know him? Is it just not, it's not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say I came down from heaven? heaven. And so I'm like, God, what what is that about? And he said because breaking leads to separation. And so if you read verses 41 all the way through 71, here's what you're going to see. Jesus tells the crowd, "Listen, I'm not just a man. I'm the I'm the bread of heaven sent from God to you." And then he's going to start saying weird things like, "If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me." And the crowd Goes away. I I don't know why we, and we, I'm saying as leaders, I don't know why we struggle so much when crowds get smaller. I I, I got an email the other day inviting me to a Breaking the 200 Growth Barrier seminar. I'm not knocking it, but the first thing I thought was like, (laughs) you sending Jesus that? He only had 12, lost one. Jesus was okay with his eyes, right? We are obsessed with growth and big things. Jesus was completely okay looking at a huge crowd. Now, how big was this crowd? We don't know, but we know about 20,000, let's just say the city of Albemarle got fed, right? And a good portion of them were seeking Jesus out, investigating where they could get some more food. And that crowd, whatever that crowd was, let's just say it's half, I'm talking about 8,000 people. He was okay looking at 8,000 people and saying, um, Unless I'm the bread, unless you're all in on me, unless I am Lord, you got no part of me. And they answered with, And he apparently was okay because then he turns to his disciples and says, Y'all want to go too? I'm, I'm not advocating that we kill people, it's like make just intentionally do hard things that make us jerks. But when we proclaim the lordship of Jesus, it's going to cause people to struggle. It should cause us to struggle. Not because he's a bad lord, but because sometimes we're just bad followers. Breaking leads to separation there will be people who will simply say and I'm just being honest with you I can't fully fathom this maybe it's because I've been through enough breaking and I'm I'm at a place in my life where it's like give me Jesus or give me nothing I, he's all I want literally for me this world has nothing for me I just want Jesus I. but there are people who will say he's not worth that and if you're one of those people look there's freedom for you to wrestle with that you can actually talk to God and say, I'm not sure you're worth all of this. Because breaking hurts. But it will lead to separation. Because you'll start talking different. You'll start saying crazy things like, I will sing of the goodness of God even while your life is not good. And people will look at you and go, that's just, you're, it's, it's a cult. Separation. And then what we do is go, oh, no, 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 no. Let's change the words so that you'll come back. No, let's just keep proclaiming the goodness of God, even when life doesn't seem good. I'm just telling you, it'll make people think you're crazy and it'll cause some separation. And when their life gets jacked up, guess who they're gonna call? You, the crazy person who sings about the goodness of God when their life isn't good. How did you do that? And you'll say, oh, Well, Jesus, He's the bread of life for me. And guess what they'll do? I want that. No, probably not. <laughs> they'll they'll look at you like, well, you, you do you and I'll do me. And you'll say, How's that working for you? All right. It's just it's just a process. That's all I'm saying. Don't freak out at the separation. And don't please, don't buy into the lie that when people separate us because you're good and they're bad. No, it's because you're at a place with God that they aren't, and it's okay. Stand firm. All right, John Chicks, John chapter, what did I just say?) <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Hmm. Okay. Well, maybe this is a good time to turn the lights out. <laughs> Kidding. Um, let's go to, okay, we're, we've just done John. Turn to Acts chapter 20. I've got a, two more scriptures to read with you. So while you're turning to Acts chapter 20, let's just re, let's just recap. Breaking leads to participation. We're all in this together. That's what the, the and again, communion by yourself. Uh, that's nothing wrong with that. But communion, what we're talking about today is they were around a table together. This is something they they did together. They were at least a participation, at least a multiplication, at least to investigation, at least a clarification about who Jesus is, and at least identification, and then at least a separation. Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. On the first day of the week, we came together to... Break bread. There it is again. Paul spoke to the people, and because he, I love that it's Paul, right? You're gonna you're gonna so love the story. Because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. Now that sounds like a really long sermon, and it probably was. But raise your hand if you've ever been in love. Hopefully, married couples are raising their hand right now. If not, separate counseling class for you later. Have you ever been so in love that you just didn't want to say goodbye? You didn't even talk about something specific. You just didn't want to leave. That's where Paul was, right? The, the, the problem was he had the mic, so he just kept talking and kept talking. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. And seated in the window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep. As Paul talked on and on, this verse is being lived out in front of us even as I preach today. And when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. The last time we had encounter here, Pastor Terry Fur preached on this passage and she talked about being aware of the periphery. That if you're sitting on the edges, that's where you fall from. So don't settle for the edges. Move to the middle where God's moving. That's a powerful word. Paul, verse 10, went down, threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Sounds like a desperate preacher, right? Don't sue me. We're going to fix this. And then he went upstairs again and what? Broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left, which that's so funny to me. Like, Paul preached a man dead, brought him back to life, and not to be dissuaded, he continued with his message until it was over, right? Like, I I know you just died, but sit sit tight. I got five more points. (laughs) Verse 12, this is the verse I want you to see because I want you to see that breaking leads to transformation, the people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. I believe, I'm simple enough to believe, that every word in the Bible is there because it matters. So they, they, Luke, who wrote this, makes sure that we know that the man was falling asleep and that he fell to the ground dead. He was picked up dead, right? And then Paul said he's alive. And they went back upstairs. And then it says that people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Here's what I want you to understand. The breaking leads to transformation. I've seen too much over my life. People walk into a room, and they're hurting, and they're broken, and they have a moment at the altar with God, and they get touched. And so they're dead, they come back to life, and then they go home dead. And they never change. The breaking leads to transformation. This young man was dead. He was raised back, and then he went home. There's a reason they said the people took the young young man home alive. They took him home alive. He was dead. He came back to life, and he went home alive. Listen, don't waste the breaking. If you've been broken by life or by something you did, or if you feel like you're being broken by God, that's a high price to pay to not learn a lesson, to not be changed. Like God, as you're breaking me, please let it transform my life. And then the last the last verse that we'll read is Luke chapter 24, verses 30 28 to 35. Just quick context, and then we're going to wrap this up. Jesus has been crucified, Jesus has risen from the dead, and these two men are on the road to Emmaus, and they're having a conversation about Jesus being crucified. Are you with me? And as they're having the conversation, this man shows up on the road. Now, we know the man is Jesus because we have the Bible, and it says Jesus. Thankful for those kind of cues. But we also know, because they didn't know it was Jesus. They just, they're just walking on a road, and this third guy walks up and asks them, What's going on? And they're like, Are you kidding me? Have you not heard about all that happened? Like, Jesus just he just was killed and crucified. And so we're going to pick it up there. Verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. One last backstory that you need to know. As Jesus was talking to them on the road and they didn't know it was Jesus, it, the Bible says that he began from the beginning of Scripture and started to explain the Scriptures to him. Any of y'all ever taken a master class? I mean, like, where we go, dude, you are, you're the best chef I've ever known. I'd like to take a class with you. So you can teach me all of your amazing skills. Yeah, you know, I'm I love to write. So I'm on master class, just like an app, like I'm taking a masterclass with Malcolm Gladwell because the dude's phenomenal, right? So I'm just I, I'm just writing everything down I can write down because he's Malcolm Gladwell. I mean, he's a phenomenal writer. It's a masterclass. These men had a masterclass on the scriptures with the master. He re, it says he explained all the scriptures to them. He was talking about himself in all the scriptures. Now, here's what I want you to get. They had just done that. Now they're in the house. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then, verse 31, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning? Within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. The breaking leads to Revelation. Revelation. If we just receive bread and receive juice and we just go through the motions and we don't have a picture of who Jesus is, we are wasting our time, y'all. We're just doing some religious ritual. There was, I, I just need you to get this. These two men heard Jesus teach about the Torah, about the word that they had at that time. He unveiled all of scripture to them. Jesus, are you with me? Jesus explained himself in their scriptures, and they still didn't know who he was. I'm a word guy, y'all. I love the Bible. The Pharisees were committed to the truth. Well, they were committed to the scriptures that they knew. They weren't necessarily committed to the truth of Jesus. I I know people that we we could be committed to the word all day long and still not see Jesus. But what allowed them to see who Jesus was? What revealed Jesus to them? It was when he broke the bread. Couple observations, and then we're going to close with an illustration. The broken body of Christ releases the beautiful presence of Christ. Now, we know that Jesus is the bread, right? He's the bread. Jesus is the body. but. We know this to be true because not only is it in Scripture but also casting crowns wrote a song about it. But if we are the body, why aren't... I don't know the rest of it. We are the body. And so if the breaking of the body reveals the presence of Jesus, then when we're broken, that's how Jesus is seen by the world. I don't like that. I'd like him to pick some other way, like the sign that I'm blessing the church is that you will all win the lottery. That would be awesome, right? Or fried food will not cause you to gain weight. That'd be great. But he chose to reveal himself through the breaking of the body. I thought about in acts when they saw the man at the temple and he said silver, give me silver and gold and they said silver and gold we don't have but what we do have you know we'll we'll give you and they they told him to rise up and be healed when that man when the boy brought the fish and he brought the loaves and the disciples said like how in the world could we ever buy enough food to feed this, this crowd and then when the when the bread was broken they had more than enough it's like God was telling me the breaking will always provide what buying cannot. We have to be willing to be broken. Brokenness invites the presence. Um. Hey, band, y'all want to come back up? Because it's going to be dark in just a second. I don't want you to trip. That's nice of me, isn't it? Kidding. Life's always better when you're carrying glow sticks. Now, there we go. Let's see if this will make sense. You ready? Not working. Oh, I guess the lights—the lights are on. You have, to be, you have to be in the dark. I'm sorry. Let's get those off. Thanks. Okay, I know y'all can't see me, but I'm shaking like a madman right now oh oh, there it goes oh that's right because you can shake it as long as you want but it's got to be broken first before the light comes out I think, I think sometimes what's happening in church is we're just like being shaken without being broken and we don't know why it's not working It's because God is saying this to the church. you got to let me break you so that the light within you can be released. I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you've been faithful. We sing these songs all the time. And Wendy and I were talking about this last night. What's, What's hard to wrap your brain around is... Nobody likes to be broken. Everybody likes to shine, right? Nobody likes to be broken. But but what we just read in the scripture is that if the body is being broken, who's holding the body as it's broken? Jesus. Jesus is the one in charge. This morning, early um, in prayer, Pastor Bridget was talking about in Jeremiah the the potter's house and how the pottery is in the hands of the potter and he he molds it and he breaks it and he he does what he has to do in order to release the light that's inside it and we have to trust the potter right that's fun we have to trust the potter that he's got us And then if he knows that we need to be broken, then we can trust that he'll only break us as much as we need to be broken. And if you're a surgeon or you're in the medical profession, if you've ever had surgery, you know what this is like already. You can trust that person. You can trust them because they know how to release this light. Jesus is the light of the world, but he's in us, the hope of glory. And the way he gets out is that we say, listen, Jesus, I trust you and that's your body. I trust you to break me so that you can release the hope in me to the city I live in, to the church, to the family, to my friends, to my school, to the place where I'm employed. God, whatever you have to do to to release this, do it. And I'm just going to call you this morning to respond. We can put the lights back up just a little bit if you want to. or else we'll have a lot of broken bodies. Would you stand? And can we finish this series placing ourselves, and I say this with gentleness and humility, can we place ourselves in the hands of the Master who breaks us, not to be mean, but he breaks us because he knows that when he does, he's releasing what's in us to the world, and what's in us is Jesus. Jesus right? What's in us is Jesus. And I always think this is great. That's why I love candlelight services. They're just not nearly as much fun when the lights are on, are they? There's so much more fun when the lights are out. And so two things that we have to have present in our lives for the light to shine. One is broken, being broken. And two is darkness, y'all. He has to place us in places where the light shines the brightest. And so I'm just going to ask you to commit yourself back to the Lord we're going to wrap this series up singing the goodness of God and it's not a declaration that your life is good right now it is a declaration that he is good right now and that he's got us and even in the breaking he's in control and he loves us church can we just simply sing this to him this morning. If you need prayer, man, you come for. I'd love to pray for you this morning. I'd love to anoint you with oil, pray for God to continue to heal us. This is not a message of despair, this is a message of hope because He's leading us from this place to places where He can use us to see His glory come in greater and greater power. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good to me. And I will sing, Lord. Come on, church. Let's lift that to the Lord. (laughs)
1: good night. <laughs> Goodness is running after. Your goodness is running after. Is running after me. Your goodness is running. The
0: goodness of God. Yeah, Lord, we commit ourselves to being people that you can glorify yourself through. Even in times that break us, Lord, and sometimes because we do stupid things and sometimes because things are done to us, brokenness is brokenness. And God, there are people in this room right now There are people watching online who are in pain and hurting because they are broken. And my prayer, God, is that that would draw them to Jesus. That we would come to you in our brokenness and know that you are the one who heals. God, I pray for our church that the breaking of this body would attract the presence of our King. Would attract the healing presence of Jesus. And that we can offer that to those that we come in contact with that are hurting, God, that are broken, that might even be mad at you. God, use the breaking in our lives to release your presence into theirs. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody, especially Millie, say amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord some praise. Give him some praise. He's good. He's good.